Iowa everywhere. Hello everyone, John Miller here for uh, not an instant reaction, not doing instant reactions this year. Maybe not evermore. I mean, you never say never, do you? But um, I just felt for a number of reasons like, you know, the instant reaction thing kind of started it and been there, done that, did that. Let's move on to something else. And I just wanted to maybe take a little more time to let um, my thoughts on games marinate and to maybe come back and bring a more even-keeled uh, analysis as opposed to an emotional overreaction. Now, that being said, don't mistake that for not being critical or not being objective. Um, matter of fact, I think that the, the more I stew in something, the more acerbic my tongue can be. But always strive for fairness. So let's begin this year's endeavor, shall we, here on the... Um, Iowa Everywhere Sports Network. Shout out to all the other podcast creators on this uh, on this network. A lot of great content. My goodness, um, Rose and Bloom. That show is uh, off to a great start. You're going to be excited with what they have this week as well. Iowa seven, South Dakota three. Um, I was reading on Twitter a little bit before doing this. And, you know, Ryan Nanny, who is uh, at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter, has about 100,000 followers. College football, I don't know what you call him. Anyway, he's been around a long time. So me quoting him is not like you're quoting some rando dude on Twitter. Said that he dug into newspaper archives and says at least in Division one, every team that's A, won a game, B, with seven points, C, since 1981, has done so by scoring a touchdown. So I don't know that anybody's won a football game scoring seven points that came by two safeties in a field goal, except for Iowa. Um, and, and yes, Iowa is one and zero. I'm not sure, you know, how, how many people you've read thus far. It says it's better to be one and zero than zero and one. It's true, it is. Um, you know, but what what I find interesting is a, a number of people before this game, a number of people felt like, hey, this one is scary. This is one that Iowa fans should be concerned with. South Dakota State's a very good football team. Well, South Dakota State was as advertised. No? Yeah, they were as advertised. Iowa's defense was as advertised. Tory Taylor was as advertised. The Iowa offense was not. The Iowa offense, despite all of the talk about improvements and, and this and that in the offseason, in week one, the Iowa offense was pathetic. I've seen a number of people saying that yesterday's offense was a new low point of the Ference era. And I can't say for sure. These things are um, very subjective by and large. I think you can maybe make them objective, but you can't eliminate the subjectivity out of the objective numbers. What do you mean by that, John? Well, let me say, so yesterday... Against, I record this on Sunday. Iowa had 166 total yards of offense, 109 pass, 57 rush. Okay. So 166. 
two games instantly came to my mind as being worse or more futile offensively than this one. The 2004 game at Arizona State and the 2017 game at Wisconsin. In the 2004 game at Arizona State, Iowa lost 44-7. to seven. seven coming by way of a touchdown. I think it was a punt return late. Iowa had six first downs in that game. They had 100 total yards of offense, 69 passing and uh, 56 rushing. Then they lost yards from sacks. So 100 net yards of offense. And they, Arizona State that day had 511. I think Hagen was the name of the receiver. Let me go into the uh, box score. Um, yep, Derek Hagen, an absolute hawk killer. So statistically, that was worse. What about that 2017 game at Wisconsin? And by the way, Arizona State was unranked. Iowa was ranked 16th when they went and they scored uh, or what they went and they gained six first downs and 100 yards of offense. Again, yesterday, 166. 2017 against Wisconsin. Iowa loses that game 38 to 20. Number eight ranked Wisconsin, number 20 ranked Iowa. Five first downs for Iowa. 66 total yards for Iowa. 41 passing. 25 rushing. That was uh, abysmal. 21 minutes of field position, uh, a possession time rather. So yesterday, 166 and 10 first downs. So to me, the the game at Wisconsin in 2017 was worse, more futile. But if you consider that we're talking about number eight in the country at that time, Wisconsin, in Madison, versus being at home in Kinnick Stadium playing against an FCS team, albeit the number two ranked FCS team in the country, if you want to say that this is a new low offensively under Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, I'm actually not going to fight you on that one given the FCS opponent. Yesterday's performance was uninspiring, infuriating at times, and deeply concerning and troubling. Look, I'll say this, get it out of the way. Kirk Ferentz could go 0-12 this year and not lose his job. Okay? That's just, he can go 0-12 and not lose his job. Might he retire? Who knows? But I don't, obviously, they're not going 0 12. He can go 1 11, and he's not losing his job. Um, and I know you're thinking, well, I'm not so much concerned about that as I am Brian. We'll talk about that in a bit. Let's start with the quarterback. Nope, let's not. Let's start with the offensive line. Because as they say, it all starts up front. Iowa's offensive line play yesterday against South Dakota State was uninspiring. Most of the carnage happened inside, center and guard. Uh, But um, Richmond and Colby were certainly beat as well at times 
they just held up much better. And, and honestly, that line, they, they ran a number of personnel combinations out there in the first quarter. As you know, there were a number of drives, a number of possessions because, you know, South Dakota State was going three and out. And I'm sorry for the dog snoring in the background. I can't go anywhere in this house without this dog. Uh, she will scratch at the door. So maybe some of you have a dog like that. Anyway, back to what I was thinking about the offensive line. So the, the Iowa was running several personnel combinations in the first half of that game. I get it. They, they want to get some guys some work. But there is not really going to be really much of a chance for any cohesiveness or any gelling to take place. And, you know, they're coming out of a camp environment where there probably wasn't a lot of cohesiveness or gelling taking place either. You're talking about trying to find some answers. And this is and has been, and as long as Kirk Ferentz is there, and probably as long as Iowa as a football team, is a developmental program. And it takes time. It takes time for the offensive lines to come together, and losing to Tyler Linderbaum is a huge loss. That position is so important, and it looked to me yesterday that Iowa was a tick slow on the snaps. That's what it looked like to me. I could be wrong, but it looked like I was watching a Wisconsin football game where Wisconsin's offensive linemen are firing out before the ball is even snapped. I've been irritated by that for so long with Wisconsin that theirs almost seems intentional. Whereas with Iowa's, I don't think it was, um, I don't think that it was intentional yesterday for Iowa. I just think that Logan Jones was, I don't know what it was. It's like, from when when the the other offensive linemen and other players heard Spencer Petrus's last sound that meant snap the ball, there's definitely a delay from when Petrus gives the signal for the snap and the time that Logan Jones gets the ball to Petrus. So the the line was all sorts of in incohesive. Is that even a term? Probably not. Miss discombobulated I'm making I'm going to start making up words that sound worse than what words are available for that that was that was not good not good high level analysis that in the end was not good and that's concerning because last year a lot of Iowa's problems stemmed from an offensive line that could never get up to the you know the standard of Iowa football I'm not talking about the 2002 or 2008 standard um, I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, um, upper third level Big Ten line play. Iowa did, was not that last year. They weren't. And a good deal of Spencer Petrus's issues, you know, not just his own, the line ahead of him as we transition to talking about the quarterback. However, when Petrus did have time and when he, he just his his. He loses his fundamentals. Always happens. I think, I literally believe that Petrus has had so much duress, so many situations where he's been hurried and harassed in his career as an Iowa starting quarterback that I, I, I'm not throwing this term around lightly and I have respect for this term, but it's maybe the football equivalent of PTSD. I think that he has 
he hears and sees ghosts that are not there because he has been leveled tough kid. So I, I just think that I can't, I don't think he can get out of his own way. I don't think that he can. And by all accounts, and again, it seems like you must say these things whenever talking about Spencer Peters, but I think that they're all true. All the Iowa media members that have you know, interviewed him on a regular basis during his career on campus say this repeatedly, that he's one of the best people that they've ever interviewed. Nice, great kid. Many people in the Iowa media, Pat Hardy just wrote about it. I was reading this morning that he wants Spencer Peters to do well so badly because of the type of person Spencer is. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, that That's that's just being a human and having a heart. And I, yeah, I want the same thing for him too. But I don't think it's going to happen. And no, it's not all his fault. It's not all his fault. But he's thrown since the first, the, the since... After the Penn State game last year, I think he's thrown one touchdown and was it nine or ten interceptions, the graphic on television was? That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And listen, Alex Padilla, when he came in last year, he did not fare much better. He did not. He he got an opportunity. He got his shot. And he did not take advantage of it. Spencer Petrus must be a really fantastic player in practice, but there are just some players for whom when the lights turn on and the offensive line questions aren't answered in the affirmative, it's not going to work out. And he can't run the ball. If he could run the ball, maybe, you know, maybe you bail a little quicker, make something out of nothing. And I said this, you know, this week, I think it was on Thursday night. I, I think it was watching Illinois part of their game watching Penn State and and Purdue and watching Sean Clifford continue drives I would not recruit a quarterback unless that quarterback had the ability to extend drives with his feet I'm not talking about you know calling quarterback draws I'm not even talking about a quarterback that can run the way Brad Banks did although that'd be nice I'm talking about a quarterback that can actually run and extend drives with his legs 4.740 guy Four point seven and a half. Just give me somebody that's not a statue. And again, I, these things that sound critical of Spencer Peters, it, it is Spencer is who he is now. Okay, I think can, can we all just agree that it, it, it's not Spencer's fault at this point in time. He is who he is. Kirk Ferentz continues to put him out there. And while I respect having confidence in someone who has made a huge investment in the program, it is not working out. And that is no guarantee that Alex Padilla or Joey Labus or whomever is on the roster that can play quarterback will fare any better. There's no guarantee of that. It's just that Petrus has had his opportunity. Chuck Hartlieb used to tell me how poor a practice player he was one of the reasons why i think in 87 that you know he didn't win the starting job out of camp because he just wasn't very good in camp but ultimately the job fell to chuck hayden had an early hook and chuck got the job and chuck was one of the most prolific passers in iowa football history 
I think the most prolific passer relative to single season statistics. Obviously, Chuck Long did more for more years, but Ike Hartley holds the records for most passing yards in a season, most maybe most completions and attempts. And he was a bad, self-admittedly a bad practice player. I I just think at some point it's not fair to Spencer Petrus to keep putting him out in situations at home where he is going to hear the boos. And I used to host sound off and fans booing used to drive me nuts. And they'd call in and say, we're not booing the player. We're booing the coach. And I said, then I say with less emphasis now, boos aren't smart bombs. Boos create collateral damage. Everyone on that offense, every offensive player walks off the field to a rain of boos. They feel you are booing them personally. You don't get a chance to say, I'm sorry, son. We're booing your coach, not you. We know you're trying your best. That I'm sure most fans would say, but it doesn't work like that. Booing creates collateral damage. And I'm not telling you not to boo. Listen, I'm not. You do what you want. God, Ginger. You do what you want. But to me, you know, Ference continues to put Petrus in a very crappy situation for Petrus. And it's time for a change. And this isn't a negative shot aimed at Spencer Petrus. It's just time for a change. And I don't know that Alex will do any better. And frankly, I don't know that anybody's going to do that much better unless the line gets better in a hurry. And I don't know that that line gets better in a hurry playing so many people in a zone blocking scheme that requires such timing. But you know what? Kirk's forgotten more about offensive line play than than I've ever known. So I'll sit back and we'll let that uh, we'll let that go where it goes. Um, very difficult to judge Lashawn Williams other than saying he's a tough kid. Here's something: twenty four carries for Lashawn Williams. 76 yards, only uh, a loss of four. He only lost four yards on 24 carries. Um, If this were, you know what? Well done. I don't need to go back to last year. LaShawn Williams, that's that's actually a really good day. A three-yard average against a eight, nine, and 10-man front. I mean, South Dakota State, second half, they just basically said, (laughs) yeah, Iowa, you know, try to beat us through the air. We, we don't think that you can, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and, and send everyone to the box. And if you beat us through the air, that's great. You know, we'll probably be able to run down your walk-on receivers and mitigate the damage. Um, and that's what they did. That's what they did. And LaShawn Williams had a, had a good day, had some good, de- you know, dead leg moves and jukes and spins and and but really he's just north south i really liked what we saw from him only saw three carries from caleb johnson um three carries for a net of zero uh yards for caleb johnson arlen bruce um was targeted 10 times he had five receptions 68 yards uh when's the last time it's it's been a minute since probably since an Iowa receiver was targeted 10 times. It's probably been sooner, more recent than I think. But, I mean, that's uh, that's Charlie Jones at Purdue level targets there, right? It's getting up there. Um, Sam Laporta was targeted seven times. Um, seven targets 
two receptions for nine yards. You know what? It's like, what are we talking about the offense anymore? We've done it. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, are there any other? No, I don't think there's any other stats worth mentioning there. And I was, uh, I was defense. On the other hand, was fantastic. The defense was everything we hoped it would be. Six first downs for South Dakota State. Just six first downs for South Dakota State. 120 total yards. 33 yards rushing. Three of 16 on third downs. Just fantastic work by the Iowa defense. Um, Iowa had four sacks. Iowa had eight tackles for loss. Um, obviously, Jack Campbell was his consistent self. Logan Lee with a sack and a half. Um, Terry Roberts a good day. Cooper DeGene is like a he's he is a he is a football player. He is a football player, and he played really really well. Um, I thought. Quentin Schulte had a phenomenal game. Looked real, real good back there. Uh, Kayvon Merriweather a couple times. You know, it's very good that that deep pass that, you know, seemingly the only one that uh, South Dakota State threw was was overthrown because Kayvon got uh, got beat a little bit. I thought it was a great day um, for Iowa's, Iowa's defense. And I'm not sure if the, uh, uh, you know, Justin Jacobs, he was playing real well before he went out. Kirk Ferentz saying that it was more likely a tissue, soft tissue issue than a joint related issue. So, and then um, Hawkeye Game Film from Twitter rewatched it and said he felt like it looked like a hamstring. Obviously, he's not a doctor and he's not guaranteeing the diagnosis, but he's he. I know him. I know who he is. He's played football, and uh, that's his you know diagnosis of what happened based on his experience watching football. So the Iowa defense came out and did what we thought the Iowa defense could do. Um, matter of fact, you know, if, if we if we can wipe away the malaise of uh, of the Iowa the Iowa offense and wipe that out of our mind, then you sit back and you look at this Iowa defense. Their performance was more dominant than I thought that it would be. I mean, again, South Dakota State is ranked number two in FCS. They are a national championship uh, FCS caliber team. And, and frankly, um, I, I think that you're probably talking about a team that teams that could compete for MAC championships. So that was a dominant performance. The defense was actually more dominant than I thought that they were going to be. By as an extension, Tory Taylor. The punting game is an extension of the defense. Ten putts, four, ten punts. 479 yards, a 47.9-yard average, 57-yard long, seven of his punts down inside the 20, probably two or three down inside the five at least. Um, just an amazing day for for him. Aaron Blom missed a 40-yarder, made a 46-yarder in this game. And Iowa emerges with the win. But, man... I mean, Iowa had the ball 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and two of those were half. So 14 possessions, 14 real possessions. Five of those 14, over one-third, were three and outs for Iowa. 
here and I heard I think I it was Ross and Travis on sound off. I was I, I went golfing after the game and I was listening to Ross and Travis. And I don't normally listen to sound off, and that has nothing to do with Ross and Travis. I just, you know, I did I've been there, did that, but you know, I was in the golf course and was just curious. And one of those two brought this point up. Here are the number of Iowa possessions that ended in 10 yards gained or less. Six plays, six yards. It's one. Four plays, five yards. Four plays, five yards. Three plays, negative nine yards. That's four. Um, six plays, 10 yards. That's five. Three plays, three yards, six. Three plays, six yards, seven. Three plays, six yards, eight. Three plays, six, zero yards, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So tr- they, they weren't wrong. It was 10, but I don't call those like kneel down at the end of the half and end of the game. Those, those are shown as possessions. I don't consider those drives. So nine of Iowa's 14 non-kneel down possessions, nine of 14, roughly 66%, two-thirds, um, that maybe not quite two thirds. I was doing the math there. You, listen, you know, I'm not great at math, but it's a, a, a lot. Nine of 14 possessions resulted in Iowa's offense gaining 10 yards or less. And the only points they scored was on a four play five yard drive that started at the San Diego state 33 yard line Iowa's average field position was its own 42 yard line South Dakota State's average field position was its own 16 Iowa's average field position was its own 42 and they had 14 possessions and they'd scored zero effing touchdowns that's that's un, that's a, unbelievable I would not have believed that. If you told me before this game began, John, Iowa's offense is going to look similar to last year's, maybe even worse at times in this game. But their average field position on 14 drives is going to be their own 42-yard line. How many points do they score? I'd say, oh, probably 17, 20. They didn't even score a touchdown. The defense scored more points than the offense. The offense could muster three thanks to the defense because that field goal uh, drive, I think it might have been a, a shanked, another shank punt. And that was horrible. Again, if, you, if you're one of those people that said that was the worst display of offense you've seen by, by the Kirk Ferentz-led uh, Hawkeyes taking into account the um, quality of foe, that's fine. I think it's fair. I don't think it's unfair. Which we then turn our eyes to this coming week. The Cyhawk week. The week that I used to both love and loathe when I lived in Iowa. Um, I loved it because I was stirring the pot on the air. I know. I loathed it because if Iowa lost, boy, did I get it to me everywhere I went in public and deserved every bit of it. Um, I, I don't 
I'm not optimistic of Iowa's chances. I'm not. You, at some point in time, and now listen, folks, I've watched football for a long time. Do I consider myself an expert? I mean, I'm not going to gloss myself an expert. Would some people call me an expert? Maybe mistakenly so. So I'm going to lay down some analysis here that basically comes from a lifetime of watching football. At some point in time, your offense is going to need to score touchdowns to win. Okay? It's what I've learned over watching football for all these years. And I, what I saw yesterday is Iowa State's defense better than South Dakota State's defense? Is John Heacock a bit of a defensive witch? I think the answer to that is probably yes and yes. And if I'm Iowa State watching this tape, I'm like, holy cow, we can be as aggressive as we want to be defensively. We can put our defensive, we can bring eight every time. We can just bring eight and just hammer them, just double red dog up the middle. I mean, because because Petrus might not even, Iowa might not be able to complete passes out in the flat on the screen game. I, I would be insane button plaid aggressive if I was Iowa State. Now, folks, you, you've, you've heard me talk about these things in the past. What I'm saying right now is hardly the first time I've ever said it. If I was a defensive coordinator against Iowa in most seasons, I would blitz the hell out of them. Kirk Ferentz, well, we seem to be a blitz magnet. That's because your offense sucks. It's because your offensive system operates in a 10-yard compressed zone of opportunity. Didn't even operate in that yesterday. And the defense knows it. And they can sit down and they can squat in that space. And it makes it even harder. Your pathetic, boring offense is even easier to defend because of the way you do things. Every time you bring that effing fullback in the game, and that is not effing Monty Pottybaum. I love him. He's great. I'm talking about the position itself that is pretty much extinct except for Iowa. You, every time you go I-formation, you're inviting more problems running the ball. You're inviting more people into the box. It's a math game. And I just don't freaking get it. Making offense hard since 1999. And it's... look. Obviously, the object is to have more points than the opponent. And Iowa did that last year 10 times. And doing that 10 times in a season is great. This isn't about firing. I told you before, Kirk Ferentz could go 1-11. He's not going anywhere. And I don't think they should fire him. This isn't about that. This is just about a continuation of last year for me. If you listen to Chris Williams and I with our first podcast we did last week, kind of, I guess, previewing the games, I, I told you that I felt like something was broken in me from last season, how that offense was so bad. It was so boring to watch. Something in my fandom was broken. And yesterday or the South Dakota State game, did not do anything to fix what was broken. In fact, it kicked it around the room a little bit. That's boring. That's boring. I had to take my daughter to a friend's house for a sleepover right when halftime started. So the first basically half of the third quarter, I listened to the radio. I missed nothing. 
I missed absolutely nothing. In the past, I would have been all sorts of worked up, you know, tell, asking my wife if she could take her because I'm watching a game. What did I miss? I missed a th- an offensive play uh, series for Iowa, three plays, three yards, and then four plays and 30 yards and a punt. That's what I missed. Um, that's it. That's all that I missed. I didn't even miss the safety. And then with about, I don't know, four minutes left in the game. With the game still in doubt. It was a one possession game. Well, when you only score seven, it's everything's a one possession game. So I I left. I, I, I left and I and I went to my car and I drove to the golf course. I listened to the game on the way there. And I enjoy listening to games. And I heard, you know, Gary Dolphin ask Ed Podolak late in that game while things were still, you know, while things were still undecided. You know, Dolph asked, Dolph asked Podolak a, an interesting question. And I'm going to find it and read it to you so that I don't, uh, so I don't get it wrong. Gary Dolphin said, this is on air. To Ed Podolak, what would you say to folks on social media to calm them down about this? And there was a pause, and then Podolak answered, can I get back to you on that? Um, it was pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. Adam Jacoby on Twitter um, early this morning the longest scoring drive in the Iowa-South Dakota State game was 11 yards. The second longest was for negative 8 yards for a safety. Good Lord. Atrocious. And Iowa State's coming in. I, I, I don't... I mean, I, I don't know if you can make any definitives about Iowa State after that first game other than they have... Uh, the X factor at receiver. They have some talent. They have some talented offensive skill players. Iowa State produces more talented offensive skill players than does Iowa. It is due. Um, Now, Iowa State still has to score on Iowa's defense, but I like Iowa State's chances of scoring 10 points against Iowa's defense better than I do Iowa scoring 10 points against Iowa State's defense. And um, we've got all week to think about it. We've got a lot of week to talk about it. Here at Iowa Everywhere, uh, there'll be a lot of talk about it. A lot of, you know, Sage Rosenfels when he's with Brent Bloom. That podcast is that this week's episode of that podcast is going to be about, you know, from a couple of people, uh, not Brent Bloom, who played in that game, you know, Jared um, Stansberry and Jordan Bohannon are going to talk about it. going to talk about the rivalry. Chris Hassel, myself, Chris Williams, we're all going to talk about memories of this rivalry in addition to breaking down this year's game. But right now, this game doesn't look like a fair fight. And that is all apologies to Iowa's amazingly talented defensive team and punter. This Iowa offense looks bottom of the Missouri Valley level. And 
I probably should apologize to the Missouri Valley for that. That's probably a low blow. It's horrible. And they have to get better in a hurry. Or this season is dead on arrival. It felt like a loss yesterday to me. Why? Because there's 11 more games. And that offense was brutal. And I'm questioning whether or not it can even get to being respectable. All right, that'll wrap up this installment of the Overreaction Podcast. Maybe that's what we'll call it, the Overreaction Podcast. Because that's what these things always are. You go back and forth, euphoria to depression or whatever. I tried to be even-keeled, but I also tried to let you know exactly how I was feeling following that. Not going to blow smoke up your skirts collectively here. Um, and by the way, you know, men can wear skirts. The Scottish do it all the time. It was horrible. Horrible offense. Great defense. And they're 1-0. And they are the butt of the national jokes. I mean, this is probably not a big deal. But I, I open up the uh, email from Iowa yesterday for the stats. I click on the postgame notes. Uh, South Dakota State at Iowa, September 3rd, 2022. That's the headline centered. Postgame notes, bold. First line, Iowa 1-0 defeated South Dakota State 7-3 on Saturday at Kinnick Stadium, period. Space, next line. The Hawkeyes' seven points are the fewest for a Big Ten team in a win since Iowa's 6-4 win at Penn State in 2004. It's your second line of your effing notes. You know what? It's an interesting stat. I won't deny that. But put it somewhere down towards the freaking bottom. I don't, I don't need to lead off... And be reminded how horribly putrid that was. By the way, that 6-4 game at Penn State in 2004 was a thing of freaking beauty. That was an outlier in a season where otherwise was a phenomenally amazing year. This is game one of a new season coming off a season where the offense was one of the worst in the modern era of Iowa football, or at least since Hayden Fry took over. That's what last year's Iowa offense was. It was one of the worst in the previous 42 years. One of the worst, maybe even dating back farther than that. And we begin this game after hearing talks of much improvement this offseason relative to Spencer Petrus and the offense at large, offensive line is going to be better, blah, blah, blah. This game was worse than anything we saw last year. And that's why it feels like a loss to me. And that's why the things that were broken inside of me from last season sure as hell didn't get fixed this week. They got kicked around and strewn about the room like a kid trying to say that he ain't his dinner, that you made him liver and onions, you evil parent you anyway making your kid eat liver and onions and the kid just cut it up into small pieces and moved around his plate and buried it under some mashed potatoes that's what this i mean it it, you can't you can't hide stank that stunk yesterday it's uh let's hope they can get some things pointed and moved in the right direction this week we'll talk to you soon iowa everywhere